Thank you for joining us for today's message. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is using Adventure Church to speak into your life. If you would like to support Adventure Church financially, you can do so online and help us bring messages just like this one to you each and every week. Now let's prepare our hearts to hear a word from God. My life before accepting Christ was chaotic at best, um, lacked patience, lacked um, forgiveness, um, had a lot of anger, I would say, you know, could easily get frustrated, um, wasn't uh, nearly the, the role model or, or leader for my kids or my family that, that I needed to be. I, I too was very... Um... I wouldn't use the word angry, but I, I definitely had frustrations, um, hot-tempered, very quick to respond to things, and and I, I just didn't have the patience um, that was needed um, in our household. Kind of had a desire and, and maybe a calling to, to find a church, but we just never took the initiative, never stepped outside of our comfort zone to go uh, to go take you know take that initiative and. We were lazy. <laughs> Sleeping in on Sundays um, sounded a little bit more fun than waking our children up, getting dressed, and getting out of the house. Um, I had received a couple uh, messages from Kyle, love to see you on Sunday, invites, um, and just kind of kept ignoring them, kept ignoring them. It came to the point where in our relationship we needed we needed some something more, some support. Kyle gave me one more invite, and that was kind of what it took to get us here. My favorite thing about Adventure Church would be the message. I, I find it um, easily relatable. Um, I can put what I've learned into practice, into my everyday life, um, with my husband, with my children, um, with how, you know, what I find value. Hundred percent agree. Uh, I'd say that the uh, the coffee and the kid venture volunteers are a close second. Though. Adventure Church has impacted our life from uh, from the standpoint of um, accepting Christ, um, helping helping us with our communication, um, patience, kindness, um, just loving on on each other amongst our family, but also outside our family. And it's great to see our kids. Um, you know, get to know God and talk about God and talk about, you know, what He's doing in their lives and things, different prayers that they say, whether it be at at dinner or before bed. Um, It's just comforting. So one of the things that we've, um, you know, it's it's just a worry on our mind is uh, our son, who's, you know, six years old and has ADHD, diagnosed with ADHD, and his parents, uh, you know, in first grade, were so worried about where he's at and his learning. And, and one of the things that we've, again, kind of a teaching we've taken away from Pastor Kyle is is praying every morning that he listens to his teachers, um, that he learns something new, that he loves on, you know, his, his teachers, his classmates, and that he's a light for, you know, others, whoever he might come in contact with. And, um, you know, just believing 
wholeheartedly that that prayer and, and, and speaking that word over him and with him, um, you know, and having faith. And, you know, it was, we're a couple weeks into the school year and we've got kind of design breaks for the teachers to pull him out and give him a chance to, you know, get some of his energy out, his wiggles and all that. And um, came home a couple weeks into the school year and, you know, Melissa had sent me a, an email the teacher saying, you know, Jake is doing so great right now with regards to um, school. Like he's learning, he's keeping pace. Um, and right now we don't feel like we need to pull him out of class uh, because that's more of a distraction than keeping him with his classmates and letting him learn. So it's just, again, he's in an environment where um, he's now, it seems like he's, he's starting to thrive a little bit. Um, and I think that's, again, for me, that's just where, really where our faith shows up. I would say most important relationship is that Adventure Church has brought God into our family. Um, you know, prior to finding Adventure Church, there was no prayer, there was no discussion of faith, um, you know, other than premarital counseling. We never even discussed our faith with one another. Um, so since finding Adventure Church, you know, the, the fact that we do, you know, feel God is with us and our children now know God, that's been life-changing. Absolutely. Come on, let's give it up for the Hatchels. It's so awesome. I want to welcome those of you tuning in online, wherever you're at today. Thanks for being a part of our service. We are in our next initiative series. If you didn't get a magazine last week, you were asked to bring them with you every week. That was your homework assignment. How many of you followed through on your homework assignment? A few of you. If you didn't bring it and you need one or didn't get one last week, uh, you can raise your hand. Someone of our, our hosts will get one into your hand. But this is important information that we're going to be talking about throughout the series that we want to invite you to read. They're also in a stand on your way out if you want to grab that. But we launched this next initiative, and over the next two years, we're trying to raise 2.5 million dollars uh, for what God has next for our church. And we explained last week. Make sure you go back and watch these messages. They're all very important when it comes to the future of our church and how you have a part in that and what God is calling us to do is going to require all of us taking our next step. God has something next for our church, but he also has something next for you. And he's calling us to a greater vision, to have more impact, to reach more people. And the reason we're showing you these stories every week, you're going to see a story from someone in our church, from someone who's just like you, who has come here, who has found Christ, who has been challenged, who has been changed. And because of this place, their life is different in a dramatic way. And so we want to encourage you to remember this is why we do it, okay? Land, building, all of those things are simply tools for us to continue to do what we do. We're not going to allow the shoe to tell the foot how big it's going to be, and we're running out of room here. We're running out of time, and so we have to move, and we need to move now. What's next is happening right now, so make sure you stay up with this series, and, and make sure you save the date on your calendar for November 11th. That is our celebration commitment Sunday. It's going to be one of the funnest days we've ever had a shorter service, about 45 minutes. We're going to give time just for people to celebrate, uh, and it's just going to be an awesome day, so make sure you mark that off on your calendar. That's a show-up Sunday, and so you want to make sure you show up and don't show up alone. Well, last week we kicked this thing off. We've been talking about what it means to, to live a yes-God, faith-filled life. A yes-God, faith-filled life, and we talked about when we do that, that faith that's what it takes to live a yes, God, faith-filled life. It's, it's going to take us outside of our comfort zone. Uh, it's going to require us to, to be in an unfamiliar place, to trust God in new ways. And, and our, God's promise for our life is always contingent 
on our obedience. And we've been looking at the story of Abraham when it comes to his life of faith. And actually his life was so impactful uh, that the author of Hebrews then in the New Testament writes about Abram as the example. That he's the father of all nations that, that we're here because of him and it was his faith that really began to take the kingdom of God and spread it around the world. And so we're looking at his story, and we're going to pick up today in chapter 12 of uh, Genesis, chapter 12, verses 4 through 7. If you have your smartphone, you can follow along on the Adventure Church app note section, or it will be on the screen as well. So Abram departed as the Lord had instructed, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all of his wealth, his livestock, all the people he had taken into his household at Haran, and he headed for the land of Canaan. When they arrived in Canaan, Abram traveled through the land as far as Shechem. There he set up camp beside the oak of Morah. At that time, the area was inhabited by Canaanites. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I will give you this land to your descendants. And Abram built an altar there and dedicated it to the Lord who had appeared to him. He built an altar. In the Old Testament, what they would do when God would speak is they would build an altar, some sort of monument, so that they would remember what God had spoken to them, okay? It's very important that we kind of continue to do that in our lives today because God will speak to us and we got to make sure we remember the promises of God over our life, right? So Abram is 75 years old. We talked about this last week. He's living a comfortable life. He's been blessed. God's, you know, if I'm 75, I'm in retirement years. I'm enjoying the fruits of my labor. His family's doing well. His businesses are doing well. Everything is good for his life. And God appears to him and says, Abram, I'm calling you to leave where you're at to somewhere I'm going to show you. He goes, you're not going to tell me where? No, by faith you should follow me. But if you are obedient, the promise of God will be true for your life and all nations will come through you. A huge promise that God promises him, and Abram steps out in faith to do it. Then he gets to where he's going, and he finds out that the land is already inhabited. I don't know about you, but if I go to a land that God says I'm going to give to you and all of your descendants, I'd be like, why are there people here? Okay, God, this maybe probably isn't the right spot, but as soon as he gets there, he sees that it's inhabited. The Canaanites were not nice people. They were very evil people, and here throughout this, it says that God appears to him again and says, this is my promise to you. I'm going to give you this land to you and to your descendants. It goes on in, in chapter 12. It says, so at that time, he's, he's there. He's living in this new land. He's got all of his family with him. All this stuff's going on, and it says, a severe famine struck the land of Canaan, forcing Abram to go down to Egypt where he had to live as a foreigner. So he wasn't even among his own people. He gets to this place that God's telling him to go, and he shows up, and there's famine. That means there's not enough food for himself. There's not enough food for his livestock. So then he has to pick up all of his stuff again and go to Egypt, where he's a foreigner, not even with people that he knows, where there's a lot more of unfamiliar things, a lot more challenges, and he gets there. And what we can learn from this story is this. Listen, your obedience will always be met with the enemy's opposition. Always. Listen to me. I want you to just know this. You've got to be prepared for it. When you step out in faith, I just want you to know, the enemy is not going to be happy. You already have a target on your back. 
And the enemy does not want you to advance in your pursuit of God through generosity. He doesn't want you to advance in faith in your relationship with God. And he certainly doesn't want our church taking more ground for the kingdom of God. Literally taking ground, establishing a church in this community for the kingdom of God. He's not going to be happy about it. Every week here at Adventure Church, we're depopulating hell and populating heaven. And he doesn't like to lose people. Are you with me? You're going to face opposition. So you better expect that when you step out in faith, you are going to face resistance. Abram, walking in faith, trusting God, goes to a place, there's already people here. Oh, and now there's famine here. Now i got to go somewhere else where I'm a foreigner, right? He's living here. Famine strikes. And here's what happens. When we're talking about a generosity initiative, here's what will happen. You're going you're gonna to pray. You're going to plow with us. You're going to pray. You're going to listen. You're going to obey God. You're going to watch God do some awesome stuff in your life. But during that process, you're also going to see the enemy come against you. Famine will strike your finances in some way or another. It's bound to happen because the enemy is going to attack. There's a, a leader in our church who I've been friends with, been talking with, and we've been talking through this initiative, and he's heard about it long before you, and we've been kind of talking through some of this stuff, and he's just said, man, we've really just been praying. We know that this is going to be sacrificial in our conversations, and God's really been speaking to us. I really just sense that God's kind of doing something, and there's something that's going to happen through this, and so we're just praying how God wants us to, to, to be a part of this in a big way, and they're already very generous and, 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 and bless our church in all those ways, but they really just, God's doing something, and so he's beginning to pray about this, and uh, his roof begins to leak, and he calls someone out to come look at his roof, and they go, hey, we, you got major problems up there. You're going to need a whole full replacement, and unfortunately, uh, there's no way we can get your insurance to cover this. Bam, hit one, Right? Then they're up there looking at his roof, and they said, hey, and there's, I think there's some problems with your fireplace. You may need to have someone come look at it. So someone comes out and looks at their fireplace, and they say, structurally, your fireplace is kind of falling apart. It's going to be about $3,000 to get it up to where it needs to be. And then while all that's happening, his car breaks down. Opposition. Step out in faith. Resistance. Hey, you better pull back on that commitment. You better pull back when I'm speaking to you. That's what the enemy's trying to get us to do. Pull back. Your attack, pull back. No, listen, when you face opposition, you can't pull back. You gotta press through. You gotta keep fighting. That's what faith is. Faith is forward. Faith is moving despite what you see. That's why you gotta build that altar because you gotta go back to the altar. You gotta remember what God told you. You gotta remember the promises of God. Abram is consistently facing opposition in his pursuit of what God had for him and every time he would face it, God would speak and go, remember what I promised you. Build an altar. Build an altar. Remember, when you cross back here, build an altar. Put a, put a next magnet on your refrigerator. Write the scripture on your wall. Put it in your phone. Set a reminder. Do what you gotta do. Remember what I told you. And listen, don't doubt in the dark what God told you in the light. The enemy will try to make it dark. He'll try to cloud it out and go, no, 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 no. God didn't really say that. No, no, no. God's not going to do that. And he'll try to get you to doubt. That is the opposite of faith. And he will fight against you and push against you. But thankfully, God has given us all we need to fight through. We don't fight alone. In John 16, Jesus said, I've told you all of this. He was talking about the problems that were going to come in this world. He says, I've told you all of this so that you can have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. It's part of it. But take heart because I have overcome the world. The Bible says that the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead now resides in you and I. And that spirit can give you the power to overcome anything. 
because Jesus has already overcome it. Listen, we don't fight for victory. We fight from victory. The battle's already been won. But faith means you're willing to fight. Faith doesn't mean everything's going to go as planned. Faith doesn't mean it's going to go smooth. Faith means I got Jesus with me, and with him, all things are possible. With him, he can do the impossible. With him, I can overcome. With him, I can have peace. With him, I can trust. With him, I can live a surrendered life to God. And God will always respond to our faith with his faithfulness. But we got to starve our doubts, feed our faith. So back to Abram's story. Abram's now in Egypt, living as a foreigner, and he's fearful that these foreigners are going to mess with him and his wife, and his wife was a really attractive lady, and, and he knew that you know, these foreigners were going to be checking out his wife, and so he said, hey, i got a plan. It wasn't really a good one. Right? How many of you are thankful that he's the father of faith, that we look to him? And Abram did some stupid stuff, all right? There's hope for all of us, right? And so Abram goes, hey, let's just tell him you're my sister, and they'll just leave us alone. Well, he tells him it's his sister, and then they go, oh, fair game. She's on the market. So Pharaoh's like, come stay with me, and invites her into Pharaoh's palace, and all of a sudden, all this bad stuff starts happening to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh goes, the only thing that's different from where things were good and now they're bad is that I got this woman in my house. So he calls her in there and Abram in there and he goes, oh, we're really sorry, Pharaoh. She's actually my wife. And he goes, why would you do that to me? Why would you cause me to sin and bring these problems on me? Why wouldn't you just tell me the truth? He goes, because of that, you're kicked out of my land too. Get out of Egypt. Go back to where there's famine, right? And so Abram's on his way back. Remember, his nephew Lot is with him. And his nephew Lot has his own kind of servants and his people and his family and Abram has his family and they begin to fight. Their servants begin to fight over the land. They're going, hey, our livestock needs more grass and your livestock's eating all of our grass and it's hindering our plan. It's, it's preventing our business from thriving and they begin to fight over it. And Abram, you know, if it was me, I would have said, hey, Lot, you're riding my coattails, dude. For real? Like, you're blessed because of me. You're not blessed because of yourself. You're blessed because of me. You get in the back of the line, dude. I'll take whatever land I want. But Abram, again, just shows you his faith. He goes, you know what, Lot? I trust God. God's promise for me, he's already given me his promise. That promise is good. God's going to come through. So take whatever land you want, your choice. Which way do you want to go? And it says Lot took the best land. (laughs) He went to where it was thriving. And old Abram has to head back to Canaan. And he goes back to Canaan. And it says this, that in Genesis 13, 14 through 18, it says, And after Lot had gone, the Lord said to Abram, Look as far as you can see in every direction. He said, pull out your iPhone and get the panorama view on and just zoom around like this. Get the panoramic shot. And he speaks to Abram and he says, look as far as you can see in every direction, north, south, east, west. I am giving all of this land to you. As far as you can see, to you and your descendants, this will be a permanent possession. And I will give you so many descendants that like the dust of the earth, they will not be counted. Go and walk through the land in every direction, for I am giving it to you. And then verse 18, it says, so. Look at your neighbor and say, so. So, Abram moved his camp, settled there, built an altar to the Lord again. So, God said, so Abram did. Are you guys following Abram's track record here? God spoke, he trusted, he obeyed, and he did what God said. That is faith. God said, so I did. That's what it means to follow God. That's what it means to live a life of faith. And that's what it means to have faith that is next level kind of faith, which I believe God is calling our church to in this season. And he's calling everyone in our church to. God is saying, I have more for you than you currently have. I have more for you than you're currently experiencing. 
right? And even in the midst of his problems, his trials, the unknown, Abram obeyed with the next level kind of faith. You see, many of us are at a level where we believe in God, but we don't live like it. There's a term for this that's actually called Christian atheist, where there's a lot of Christians believe in God, but they live as though he doesn't exist. You see, it's not just enough to believe in God. Faith says, I will act on what I believe. Faith says, I will trust despite what I see. Faith says, even when opposition comes, I'm willing to fight through it. Faith says, even when doubts comes, I'm going to trust God anyway. God wants us to live at next level kind of faith. Back in the 1800s, there's a story of this Frenchman, and his name was Blondin, and he walked across a tightrope across Niagara Falls, and he did it all kinds of like crazy ways. So like he'd walk across, you know, normal, uh, then he would get on stilts, and he'd walk across. And then, you know, he would, you know, have something, you know, sacks of potatoes on his shoulders, and he would walk across Niagara Falls, and these crowds would come out to watch him. And one time, he just goes to kind of next level, and he, he, he gets a wheelbarrow, and he walks across, I mean, it's hard. have anyone ever like put wheelbarrow just trying to keep that thing straight on, on flat ground, right? It's wobbly. And he walks across Niagara Falls with a wheelbarrow. And he gets across to the other side and the crowds are, are cheering and they're going crazy. And he says, how many of you believe that I can go across, go back across with someone in the wheelbarrow? And they start cheering and they go, we believe, we believe, we believe. And then he quiets the crowd and he goes, okay, so who wants to get in? You see, it's not just enough to believe in God. You have to trust in God. And we trust in God by acting in faith. Not what we can see, what we don't see. And we must all have an act of faith for our faith to become active. And what that means is, is your faith in God doesn't really begin until you get into the wheelbarrow. Until you go, God, I'm all yours. Everything is yours. You see, many of us live at an all, not an all-in level, but a third of the way in level. Halfway in level. Two-thirds of the way in level. But there's things that we hold back from God. And God requires us not to be partially surrendered, but fully surrendered to him. Wheelbarrow faith. We put our lives in his hands. In Proverbs 3-5, through it says, Trust in the Lord with some of your heart. Lean on your own understanding. In some of your ways, acknowledge him, and you can make your own path straight. Now, some of you are going, man, that doesn't sound right. That's the Pastor Kyle translation for the sake of illustration and emphasis. It doesn't really say that. We're going to come back to that in just a second, but this is where some of us live. Some of me, God. Some of my heart. I trust you with some of this, but I'm going to lean on my own understanding here. That doesn't make sense in the natural. That's kind of illogical. I know you said it, but I just don't think I can do it, right? So we give some things, but not everything. And God requires everything. Why does he require everything? Because he already gave everything. He already gave Jesus. And he requires us to live this level of faith where we put our trust fully in God. But some of us live at a place where we go, God, I'll give you an hour and 15 minutes on a Sunday, but I'm not giving you Friday night. I'm not going to give you Saturday night. Those are still my nights. Those are still when I do what I want to do. And I'll go to church, but mm, Kyle's always talking about getting involved and serving. Yeah, that's probably not for me. But I like to come. 
yeah, I'll, I'll get involved and I'll, I'll serve, but we talk through how we roll, we, we, we get involved, we're invested, we invite people, but I'm not going to invite people. That's just way out of my comfort zone. And not sure I can really invest my resources just because financially where I'm at and, you know, it's just tough for me to really trust God with that. And so, again, we give some things, but not everything. Every single thing is God's. And we all have to get to a place where we go, God, this is all yours. We have to change our mindset to go, God, what you've given me, my time, my talent, my treasure, it's all yours. It's fully surrendered, not partially in. I'm all in with my time, with my resources, with my very life. God, it is yours. And the goal of this initiative, the number one goal, secondary goal is to help us get to where God has for our future. But the number one goal, please hear my heart, as we pray to the leadership team, as we pray to the staff, is to go, God, what we want is 100% participation where people say, I will take my next step in my pursuit of Jesus. I will go all in. I will take my faith to the next level. Currently, where we're at as a church, when it comes to generosity and initiative, and have any of you ever heard of the 80-20 rule before? Anyone ever heard of that? Where it's kind of 20% of the people do 80% of the work in organizations and leadership, generosity, the same type of thing. 20% of the people give 80% of the resources. At Adventure Church, we're, we're slightly better than that. But right now where we are, if you take the top 20% of our people who are givers and actively give, 20% of our Adventure Church family gives 70% of our budget. So the 20 make up the majority of our budget. And today, this isn't an indictment on anybody, but the goal is, is that we all begin to participate in what comes next. One of our key values and really what makes our church what it is is that we're family. And I give this spiel all the time where family doesn't expect family to do for for them, what they're not willing to do as well. We're family. We take care of each other. We all, we all go in. That's why in Kid Venture, we say if you're a parent here, man, there's an expectation that you're going to help serve and be invested and, and love on kids because, you know what, man, we're not going to expect people to watch our kids. We're not willing to watch and invest in their kids either. And it's an amazing ministry, and our volunteers love it, and they're great and all of that. But we put an expectation because our value is family, and family doesn't treat each other that way. Family doesn't expect someone to do for them what they're not willing to do for them. Are you guys following me today? And it comes the same way with generosity. It's a core value of who we are. We will be generous people, and we're not going to continue to remain a church where 20% of the people make up 70% of the budget. That's not family. That's not all in. That's not where God wants us to live. Faith is more than just believing. Faith has to become active for it to become effective. Faith has to become alive for it to be effective in our lives, in our community. It's more than believing. It's more than thinking. It's more than just talking. It's more than just having convictions about Jesus. Faith is action. Faith is movement. It's activity. It's something that we do. And the goal of this initiative is that everyone takes a step of faith. You're going to see a slide on the screen that's in your magazine, what we call the generosity ladder, the giving ladder. We're all somewhere in our generosity journey as we pursue Jesus. Some of you are at a, uh, a potential giver, which just means right now you're not currently engaged in giving at all. Uh, and so there's a number of people in our church that just haven't taken that step to, to become generous and to become faithful. 
and generosity and giving, and, and there's probably lots of reasons for that. Maybe it's just one you've never been taught. Part of this initiative, we're going to teach you the biblical principles, not my principles, biblical principles when it comes to generosity. And we believe it's going to help you and help educate you, and, and, and you'll begin to see what God has for you when it comes to generosity and what Jesus calls us to live at when it comes to trusting him with, with what's most important to us. And some of you just may be like, I want to be generous, but my budget, way we're living and the expenses I have and some of the things and mistakes I've made financially just doesn't really allow me to. And so, you know, we, we, it's why we offer financial peace and some of these things to help teach you and equip you to, to, so you can become generous. But some of you are just at a level where you're not engaged in giving. Some of you uh, you're at a kind of an emerging giving level. You've been coming for a while, and so you've, you've been, when you have a little extra, you give a little extra. When you can, you do, but there's no real systematic approach to generosity in your life. It's just kind of sporadic and not very systematic. Then there's some of you who have gotten systematic. You become a consistent giver, where you say, you know what? <clears throat> we set an amount. It's 50 bucks, 100 bucks, 200 bucks a month. It's a, it's a percentage. Of, you know, we're at 5%, and, and we give it first. It comes out. It's a recurring donation. We set it up. It goes. It's consistent. You have a system in place for generosity, and that's a great place to start where we kind of become to go from emerging to a consistent giver. We take a step of faith in that. Then we have people in our church, really the top 20% of our people, most of them are tithers, where they give a 10%. And we'll teach on this principle. We believe in this, that that's kind of the mark that we all strive for, that God says, bring your first fruits, a tenth of that into my storehouse. I'll bless you for it. That is a mark of faith and trust as a follower of God, where we give 10% and, and many of our top tier of our givers are faithfully tithing and trusting God with that. Then we have a group that would be called extravagant givers. These are people who go, man, as I've lived my life, I've been a tither, I've lived at this level, and as God has blessed me, as he's brought more to me, it's not for me, it's so that I can give away. We've learned to live on half of our income. We live on 70% of our income. And it's not just giving to the church, we give to lots of things. We help people, and they literally have a gift of generosity, where God has just stirred up a gift, and they find way more joy in giving than they could ever have receiving. They live out the words of Jesus, where he said, it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. They live at that level. And I'm telling you, it's an amazing place to live. It's where God has challenged Jess and I to live. And I don't know what your next step is, but I do know there is a step, that you have one. God will never be finished taking you deeper in faith and trust. There's always a next step. And the beauty of this initiative is that it includes all of us. All of us can take a step. That's what we're believing God for. That's what we're going to celebrate on November 11th. Not a mount, not a goal, that's a side thing. We're going to celebrate that everyone said, God, I'll get in the wheelbarrow. God, I'll follow you. God, I'll take a step of faith. Some of you may be going, well, this kind of can, can come off as manipulative, that you're talking about faith, and, but then you're talking about money, and you're tying the two together because you're trying to raise money for an initiative, and it can come off that way. But, but listen, Jesus explains it. What we do with our money is the greatest metric to measure where we're at in our faith. It's a metric. And he ties it together. And as the band comes and we close out, in Matthew 6, 21, this is Jesus teaching, the Sermon on the Mount, one of the greatest messages. He's teaching on all these topics, and he gets to money, and he says this, for where, the tre- for where your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. A lot of times we can think of this in reverse. Where your heart is, there your treasure will go. Jesus goes, that's not how it works with our money. Your heart will follow your treasure. So you give first, your heart will follow. Are you guys with me? Some of you. So Jesus is teaching. He goes on, for no one can serve two masters. 
You will either hate one, love the other. You'll be devoted to one, despise the other. You cannot serve God and the devil. No, you cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. What he's saying is, is you can't follow God, serve God in faith, and still have your security in your stuff. You're enslaved to it. My security's in it. My hope is in my stuff. We don't like to give away our hope. We don't give away resources where our security's in it. He's saying, no, your security is in me. You give to me. You trust me. Your heart will follow. He says, that's why I'm telling you guys, don't worry about life. And he begins to explain. Don't worry about where you're going to get food. Don't worry about what you're going to drink. Don't worry about where you're going to live. And those were real tangible needs that this group of people had at that time. That's what they had to worry about. Most of us have that taken care of. We worry about other stuff. And so we hold on to stuff, we hoard stuff because we worry about our future, our retirement, our things, our kids, their schooling, their activities, all this stuff. I can't give to this and give to this. What am I going to do? And he goes, why do you worry about all that stuff? God handles all of these things. And he says, if God, in verse 30, if God cares so wonderfully for the wildflowers that are here today and thrown in the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? It comes back to faith, Jesus, money, faith trusting me he says so don't worry about all these things what we're going to eat what we'll drink what we'll wear those things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers those who haven't put their faith in me those who are still trying to handle their life on their own but you you're different you have faith in me you've trusted me you've put your life in my hands you got in the wheelbarrow he says god already knows everything you need and who's going to take care of you so seek the kingdom of God. So Jesus explains all this stuff. He says, don't do this. Don't live like this. Don't live like unbelievers. Live like people of faith. Step out in faith. Trust me. So how do you do that? Verse 33, seek God above all else. Put his kingdom first. Put his kingdom over your own. Live righteously, and God will give you everything you need. I don't know about you, but I love when God takes care of what I need. And that's what he's calling all of us to live at. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, one more time in the right way. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. When opposition strikes, don't pull back, press through. Don't look at the logical, don't look at the natural. God wants to do something supernatural in all of your ways. Submit to him. Get in the wheelbarrow and he'll guide your life. You put him in the driver's seat. We put God in control by surrendering in faith and trusting him. You see, we want God to prove himself so that we'll trust him. That's what we want. But that's not faith. God is saying, trust me, and I will prove myself. Faith says, I don't walk by what I see. I walk by what I believe. I put action behind my belief, right? We live by faith and not by sight. That's faith. That's what it means to follow God. That's what he has for you. God if you will, it's kind of what we do. I will trust you. God, if you do this, I will trust you. And God goes, that's not how this thing works. You do. Then you will see. That's faith. Listen, if you don't take your next step of faith, you'll get in a rut. That's what happens. We get complacent. We get comfortable. And the only thing difference between a rut and a grave is the length. <laughs> we become dead in our faith. We don't see any activity. We don't see God doing anything. I don't know about you, but I don't ever want to become complacent. I don't ever want to feel like God's distant from me. But listen, he's not going to help you with step two, three, or four until you take step one. And he's waiting for you. He's asking you. And some of you are going, God, I'm waiting for you. Why haven't you shown up? Why haven't you done? 
what I need you to do. And God's going, why haven't you done what I've already told you to do? Faith is taking the first step despite what you see. Faith is trusting God. And God says, I want you to trust me so that I can prove my faithfulness to you. And God always responds to our faith with his faithfulness. Doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Doesn't mean you won't fight. Doesn't mean you won't have opposition. Doesn't mean you won't have challenges. But God says, I'm with you. I'll see you through this. You see, many of us have been aiming to do something for a long time. Some of you have been aiming to give, to climb the ladder, to say, I need to take a step of faith. God's been speaking to me for years. I've never engaged. And and you've been aiming to do it. You've been waiting to do it. And God's saying, quit aiming, pull the trigger. That's faith. You don't wait. You respond. Then we'll see God do what only he can do. We plow. We pray. We listen. We obey. And when we obey, then we get to watch God do what we can't do then we begin to live at next level faith. And when you live at next level faith, you'll know the goodness of God, the love of God, the faithfulness in God in ways that you've never imagined. You'll see God do the impossible. I love the way George Mueller put it. He said this, faith does not operate in the realm of the possible. There's no glory for God in that which is humanly possible. That's me. That's my credit. He says, faith begins where man's power ends. That's what God's called Jess and I to do. I told our church this last week, Jess and I have always been tithers. My family got saved when I was 14. The pastor said, you need to tithe. And so we said, okay. (laughs) Blind faith, I guess. But we can. I worked at Kroger. I was bagging groceries, making $5.35 an hour. And every week, my dad would go, and I got that paycheck Thursday afternoon at Kroger, 30 bucks, whatever it was. Don't forget to bring your tithe to the church on Sunday, son. Okay, dad. Yep, I got it. Just did it done it ever since. Jess and I got married. We've done the same thing. And we felt God said, you know what? 10%, you need to give 10. Then you need to give 5% away to missions. So Jess and I began to give 5% away every year. An extra 5%. We've always done that. That's normal for us. That's where we live. That's what we do. And I'm not saying that to brag. I'm just saying that's what God's called us to do. That's where the obedience that we live. And what God has spoken to us to do in this season is beyond possible for us. Because he said, son, Kyle, you've always done that. That's easy for you. You've always lived next level. You've always been at this level. What's the next level for you? And I said, I don't know, Lord. What do you want? He said, I want you to double what you normally give. And I go, okay, God. (laughs) That's not humanly possible for us, but we will trust you. So that's where Jess and I are going to live. I will never ask you to do something that I'm not willing to do, ever. I have to lead by example. I have to lead first. Leaders go first. I will always go first. I will always. I'll never give the greatest dollar amount to this church, but I will, I will challenge to be the top percentage giver that this church has because I believe it, I preach it, and I have to live it. God has more for you. We started this church. We named it Adventure Church because we believe that that's what a life of faith looks like. It should be adventurous. If your life is boring and lame and your relationship with God is stagnant and it's not going anywhere and you're not seeing God move in your life, it's not because of him. If you're waiting on God, I'm here to tell you, he's been waiting on you. And you can live a life. You can live next level faith. You can live the adventure church life. But it requires you stepping out first. Pray with us. Listen. Obey. And we'll watch God do something unique. We'll watch God do something where he will be the only one to get the credit. And that's what I've been praying for this whole initiative. God, you provide the piece of property in a way that only you can get the credit for it. God, you hit, you, you do what you need to do in our people so that you can only get a credit. I don't want it to be about me. I don't want it to be a persuasive speech or message or 
I want it to be God speaking to you, you stepping out in faith, and God showing up in your life. Because when that happens, it doesn't matter what I say. You'll go, I trust God. I stepped out in faith. God moved. I trust him. And you begin the faith journey. You begin to live at next level faith, and it will carry you through to the day you get to meet Jesus. That's what God has for you. Next level faith. Wheelbarrow faith. And this initiative, that's the main goal. Land, resources, that'll take care of itself. If all of us say, you know what? Let's not let Adventure Church be a statistic. Let's not let the 20 make up the 70. Let's all do it. Let's all get in this. Let's all watch God move. Let's watch God move in our lives. Let's watch him move in our church. And someday, church, we're going to move into a building. We're going to have a, a grand opening day service. There's going to be thousands of people there that are coming in from our community. God's bringing them in by the thousands every year. Fastest growing county. We're going to do it. And we're going to stand back and go, I had a part in what God did here. My kids are blessed because of my faith. Abraham's faith blessed generation after generation. And you can break that curse in your family. You can go first for your kids. And God can do something unique, not just in our church, but in your life, in your family, in your kids. That's his desire. If you'd be willing to get in the wheelbarrow, go fully surrendered and go, God, I'm all in. I'll go to the next level. Would you stand with me today? Father, we love you. We're not worthy of what you've done for us, what you've given us, how you've blessed us. And God, we all desire to live at a level that would be obedient to you. God, to do what we can do and to watch you do what we can't. And God, that's where I'm striving to live during this initiative, to step out of my comfort zone, to go beyond what's possible with me, but God, to see you do the impossible so that you can get the glory, so that you can get the credit. God, that's what we want for our church. God, as we all take our next step of faith, God, we pray that you would do the impossible through us so that this community will know that there is a God, that he does love his people, that he does have a plan, and that many more will become into the kingdom of God and begin to know who you are and the plan you have for your life because of the sacrifices of this group of people. God, do only what you can do. In this moment, we offer our lives to you. We trust you in new ways today. In Jesus' name, amen.